Hey guys, before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let y'all know that my entire family has switched our cell phone service over to Patriot, and it has been such a great move for us. Patriot Mobile is America's only conservative cell phone company. They're all about freedom, the Constitution, giving you the power to support conservative organizations. It's right up our alley. It's like having a superpower for your beliefs. Patriot Mobile uses the same reliable networks as the big carriers, so you'll get great service wherever you go. We did not see a change in our service, and actually it's gotten better. Their customer service is incredible. You call and you immediately get someone on the phone to help you with something. They've got plans to fit every budget from unlimited talk and text to data-packed options for all your streaming needs. And when you make this switch to Patriot Mobile, they will buy out your current contract up to $500 a line. So fellow freedom-loving friends, it is time to make the change. Head over to PatriotMobile.com today. Use the code Blake for 10% off your bill. That's PatriotMobile.com, code Blake. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident Krabby Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Michelle, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Like, so great to be with you. I am so excited to talk about motherhood in a totally, in my opinion, different context than a lot of these conversations are had, because we're going to talk about the hard parts, right? We're going to talk about the reality that sometimes motherhood doesn't look the way that you thought it would. Mm -hmm. But I want to reframe that in terms of this sentence that is the title of your book, that women, I think, hear all the time is the idea that we were made for more. Your book is Made for More Life Beyond Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. It's a Bible study specifically for single parents, but the reality is this message is for all of us. Tell us a little bit about your study and kind of your ministry plus on parents, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think probably the best place to frame this all up is the fact that this is the road I am walking, right? <laughs> like I'm a single mom of three kids. I've got next year a high schooler, middle schooler, and an elementary schooler. So we are like doing all of the things, all of the seasons, all in the thick of it, right? And no woman who's been divorced, for example, stands up on her wedding day and is like, oh, I cannot wait to be divorced. I cannot wait to be doing this by myself, right? Right. And so it is this sense of like, you thought life was going this way, which whether you're a single parent or not, you can experience, you thought it's going this way. And it goes this way. Mm -hmm. And when there's that mismatch, there are all of these, just all this anxiety, all of this blood that just comes over us of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like this didn't look like I thought it was going to. And now what? And if, you know, for a woman in my spot, for example, it's like, I've blown it. This is it. Like mm -hmm. this, is, oh my gosh, like 
I do not have the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids and the dog and the like husband. Like I don't have all of those things. So now what does that mean for my kids? Yeah. And so it's learning though, that even in the middle of that, even in the middle of disappointment and hurt and the hard stuff, like you said, we're not outside of the goodness of God. We are not outside of what he can still do in our stories. We are not outside of his power really, you know, and really that when we can learn how to embrace that weakness, that that's where we see God become stronger on our behalf, right? So we really allow him to come in and where we'll take our hands off of those things and let him put his hands on them, how much more he can still do. And that's really what is the heartbeat behind Made for More. I think your experience in some iteration is so many women's experience with motherhood in particular, Mm -hmm. because I don't believe in hardship Olympics. I don't believe in my hard isn't hard because your hard was harder. Right. Obviously it would be more difficult to be a mother by yourself. But for me, my mental health was so horrific postpartum. Mm -hmm. I mean, I swear the first year of both of my children's lives is just like this black blur that I just Mm -hmm. barely made it through with my husband working 80 hour weeks, no family here. And I was just like scratching, holding on to whatever I could to get through it. And I remember so many times being in the midst of it and just being exactly what you said. This is not, I have blown it. If this is the kind of mom that I'm going to be, I had no business becoming a mother. I've made a mistake. What have I done for my children? And also, I think a lot of women, not all, but I think a lot of women want that, right? Have wanted to be a mom since they were a little girl or a teenager or whatever. And so motherhood cannot look the way you thought it would if you're a single mom, if your mental health takes a dive, if your finances are really stressful, if your children are born with special needs that take a lot more of your time. If you're a stepmom, I have a really dear friend that's a stepmom. And that's been this whole new world for her because it's a whole different kind of being a mom. And that is reality. And I, I think sometimes in our attempt to give people hope, we brush aside. No, this is hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, though, is like you said, it's not a competition of like, oh, well, I haven't experienced your thing or whatever. Like the tagline of our book is a Bible study for single moms and anyone else whose life who hasn't turned out as planned. Right. Because all of the hardships that you experience, whether they are the same or different, they're all touching on these broken places in our lives. Some of these are broken places that were brought about through our childhood experiences, the family of origin issues, the generational stuff that was passed down to us. And all of this hardship brings up all of that that we hoped that we weren't bringing to the table when it came to our own families. And yet, ta-da, we did, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it is that space where if we don't avoid it and we just admit it and know like God is not not intimidated by our problems. He's not disappointed in us. Like when we can bring all of that stuff straight to him and go, oh my gosh, this is such a mess, Lord. Like I don't see how I could possibly make it out of this, or I don't see how I can make anything of this. Yeah. That he's like, welcome home, my child. Yeah. Come sit with me. I'm so here with you. Like he's so grieving with us in these spaces. And so when we enter that, that is the first step, like you said, of we're not just brushing past the hard. Yeah. We're stepping into it and allowing him to step into that with us. 
And first being able to receive from him when in so many places we've been trying to do and do and do and do. And that's where a lot of this experience with overwhelm grips us. And I know that can be a daily experience for people, right? That you try to brush it aside and then you go, no, I'm going to step into the broken places because God steps into them with me. Can you share like a point in your story that, that or maybe even the first time that you were like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to push all this aside. This is what it is. Let's walk through it instead of around it. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the most tumultuous time of all of this being reconciled with was actually during the lockdowns of COVID. And to <laughs> just give you a sense of what was going on in my house at that time, it was me and my three kids and everybody was isolated, right? And yeah. we weren't getting around our families or our friends or anything like that. And so my youngest was two at the time. And she would go straight ninja baby anytime I walked out of the room, like climbing up shelves and like trying to get snacks and like she was getting into things. And it was like everything that I could do to just keep my sanity because she was constantly just like getting into messes. Yeah. And one day she got under the kitchen sink and got a non-toxic, I'm say this non-toxic <laughs> bottle of kitchen soap and dumped it all over the floor. And I don't know, Blake, if you have ever tried to clean up soap, but all you do when you put water on soap. Is make, is make more soap. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And so that was just a picture of like the experience of just what my entire emotional life felt like. It's just like, it's more than I can handle. I'm not making any progress. I'm, you know, I'm putting more water on this and I'm just not getting anywhere. Right. And it just felt like there is no way out. Yeah. And it was in those really just like broke down times where I started learning what it was to take a pause and go be with the Lord. Mm. And sometimes during that season, I would put my, my kids in front of a movie and I would say, okay, guys, I'm going to be gone for 10 minutes and just go lay down. Yeah. And for all of us, this experience of overwhelm feels a little different. For some of us, it is like total fight flight. We can feel it. It's like on the surface. Mm. And for others mm. of us, it is like, I feel numb. Mm. I don't know what I feel. I feel disconnected. But Whatever it feels like for you, it is that space where the panic is just overtaking you. Yeah. For a lot of us, that panic causes us to do something to make it go away. So whether we're like numbing out and escaping and fantasizing and shopping and, you know, you know, the mommy juice, like whatever like yeah. the thing is, it's recognizing I'm turning to this instead of actually getting the help I need in my relationship with the Lord and the fact though that he does care. Yeah. And the fact that actually, if I go and rest with him and talk to him and tell him how hard this is and pray with him, I actually will feel better. Right. Like right. I will. Right. And embracing to even just try and to try and to try and recognize that, like, when I first started doing this, it was like five times a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. To take these breaks. And then over time, though, it just became that safe place where it was like I could be in the middle of picking up a mess and go, Lord, I know you're with me. Uh huh. Lord, I know you have what my child needs right now. I want to like lecture them until, <laughs> until like this point gets through to them. But you know what they really need, God. So would you tell me? Yeah. And just embracing his closeness. You know, the Bible tells us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And it doesn't mean like he's closer to some people than other people. What it means is if we accept that we are brokenhearted, we will start to see how close he is. We'll start to experience that peace he has for us. 
And so it's just recognizing I'm turning to other stuff mm. in all of this chaos that I'm experiencing. And that if I will shift gears and turn to the Lord instead, he actually has so much more that is so much deeper, so much more fulfilling, so much longer lasting, more than I could imagine. And it's going to not only carry me through this, it's going to transform me right. and my mothering. And that's what's crazy is that that other stuff that we turn to, and I've been guilty of that in my motherhood, in life, but in my motherhood of escapism, mm -hmm. we could call it, right? Escaping doesn't change anything. And that was a really big realization that I had to come to was I am escaping a situation that stays exactly the same. So I escape, numb out, whatever that, I mean, I'm not, it wasn't anything crazy. I was probably like, going to take long baths and mm -hmm. leaving my husband with my children and reading mm -hmm. a book and just pretending like it wasn't going on. Yeah. Right. Like just kind of pretend like it doesn't exist. Well, then you walk right back into it. Yeah. And when you've tried to, this sounds cheesy, but when you've tried to fill your own cup, it, it doesn't work. I think a lot of people could tell you that from experience. I've tried to fill my own cup and then I go back into the fray and I lose it within five minutes. I mean, I can remember you said that about the the soap on the floor. Our lockdown was pretty, it was pretty difficult as well. I had two kids. I had a full-time job. My husband worked through the pandemic because he was a like quote unquote essential worker or whatever. And I can remember having a moment where I kind of like freaked out. And my kids were really young too. I guess mine were like two and four. Oh yeah. Three and five. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. And a full-time <laughs> church communications job, which yeah. When churches went online, the, your communications team started carrying your church, just mm -hmm. FYI. Mm -hmm. But I remember going in the back and I didn't talk to God. I'm going to be totally honest. I went in the back and like took a bunch of deep breaths and like probably took some CBD, which isn't a bad thing and washed my face and came back out. and was like, this is going to be better. And two seconds later, I was freaking out again. And that was my, okay, this isn't working this isn't working going in the back and trying to do it. And it was kind of one of those is a wake up for me. It was a complete changed perspective. I can remember exactly where I was in the house we used to live in. That feels like we were trapped in for a little bit of COVID just like this isn't working. And, and it's funny because I remember thinking there's gotta be more than this. There has to be more to this beautiful call of motherhood. Scripture talks about mothers so highly, so, so highly. And I know that we are mothering differently than they did in the times that scripture was written. And I do want to, I want to talk about that a little bit, just why we are so overwhelmed. I think moms have always been overwhelmed because this is a mm -hmm. mantle. This is a very important job, but I also think we're doing more with less help. We're protecting our kids from way more, I think, than mothers have had to in the past, why do you think moms are so overwhelmed? Why are so many of us reaching our breaking points so quickly? Yeah, I there's like six rabbit trails I could go down on this one, you know. The first thing I want to say though is I think we have to recognize that motherhood is a supernatural calling. And so if we are trying to do it in our natural abilities without God, we're gonna be floundering, we're gonna be carrying things that are too heavy because the Lord meant for us to do it with him. And that's the thing. That I think for a lot of single moms, if you got a single mom who's listening or a woman who feels like she's in a marriage with a, a husband who's very unsupportive, that when you feel like, well, this is supposed to be a man-woman job, mm. and God did design it that way, but when it's supposed to be that and I don't have that, now I can't do it. Mm. And the Lord is like, no, 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 no. 
this was always a job between you and me. Your mothering was always a job between you and me. And so when we recognize that though, then we recognize that there's a spiritual element that's not getting handled here. So I love that you mentioned deep breaths because they don't work for me either, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and like counseling has, you know, all these different like count backwards from five, like all these different deep breathing things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these just stress me out more, right? Right. But it was in that deep breathing of recognizing like the word for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both of them, Hebrew and Greek means breath. Uh-huh. So my breath, God is that close to me. That breath, that fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is right here. So if I'm going to deep breathe, I want it to be connecting me to Ooh. the presence of God right here, right? That's good. And we have to recognize then too, some of these things, like you mentioned, like taking a bath or whatever, like we're treating overwhelm like exhaustion and they're not the same. So like if you're going to go run a marathon, you're going to be exhausted at the end of it. Take a bubble bath, you're going to feel a little bit better, right? Right, right. But overwhelm is not about what we think of as like, oh, I have an overloaded schedule. You have an overloaded heart. And the only way that you're going to get through that, the Psalms tell us that when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Yeah. The only way to get through that experience of that overloaded heart, all of the junk you're carrying with you from your whole life, whether you were bullied or abused or neglected or abandoned, whatever happened in your backstory. And I know somebody is like, I just said that and somebody is like, like it just uh-huh. took your breath away. But you're carrying that. It's in the background of every day for you. And the Lord doesn't want you carrying that by yourself. He is wanting you to offload those things. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right. That's what this really is all about. If we look at weary and heavy laden, that's a very specific pairing. Weary is I'm tired. I've been running and running and running and running, right? Heavy laden is I have this stuff that was put on me. Right. It's stuff that you didn't do. It's stuff that was brought into your life that may cause you to do the running and running and running. He's saying, whichever it is, whether it's you or something that was done to you, bring it to me, come to me, sit with me. I will give you rest. Yeah. And that is really what's at the core of understanding this spiritual element of this overwhelming experience that we have as mothers. Right. And that if we will enter into that, though, that's so backwards to be like, oh, so my way out of this stress is to rest. Yeah. Like we think it's like, no, I just we have to fix it. I got to yeah. do it, like do it better, do it more. You right? know? And it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Jesus and is look, like, stop. <laughs> rest can look like a bubble bath. I don't want to like crap on self-care. Like right. I can get in a bubble bath and read a book for half an hour and come out a genuinely different person. Yes. But in my experience, that comes from a place when I'm already living, believing and trusting and walking lockstep with God, right? Right. It's not a fix. The bubble bath didn't fix something, right? Getting to take a moment to get away and be like, slow down and be quiet like allows you to kind of realign with what you're already doing. So I don't want anybody to hear this and be like, oh, I love bubble baths because look. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) I love like going to sit outside with my book and getting some time away. But I think that those times are fruitful when that fruit is already evident in your life. It A lot of these things that we'll do on the physical side, they're only going to magnify what's going on already under the surface. Yeah. So I even think about this, for example, like, if you love to get facials or you love to get your nails done or something like that, 
Like we can look at this as something that if I'm already feeling insecure on the inside, I'm going to lean into this thing like a crutch. Like I need this. Yes. But if I am at peace, if I have experienced wholeness and healing and I'm walking in that restoration, then this is something that I'm doing for delight. Exactly. This is something that I'm doing for enjoyment, that I'm I'm doing this for the right reason. And it is refreshing in a way that it's not when that healing journey hasn't been entered into. Yeah, exactly. And because I always go back to like, Jesus took naps. Mm-hmm. Jesus went away. Jesus oh, yeah. did that. Like that is, that is biblical. What's your intention behind it? Millions of Americans experience thinning hair, but among women, it's just not super talked about and going through it can feel really lonely and frustrating. So there are thousands of women out there that are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve visible thickness and strength of your hair. So if you want to figure out if Nutrafol is a good fit for you, go to Nutrafol.com to take their hair health wellness quiz. This will help you identify the causes of your thinning hair, and then Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair growth through their whole body health approach. Because Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning like stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, metabolism, all that stuff through whole body health. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off their first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code BLAKE. So find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code BLAKE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Blake. I want to get back to the title of the book and kind of the, this idea of more. So I have a long history in hustle culture, was like hustler, the whole made for more movement or whatever. And I can remember my 180 from the more that I thought I was made for, which was, if we even want to talk about it in the realm of motherhood, it was being room mom, having a clean house, perform, 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 well-behaved children who ate their whole plates. Like that was the more that I was made for. Mm -hmm. And again, I always feel the need to put these qualifiers. There's nothing wrong with doing all of those things. Like, I love that for you. Not my, it's not my motherhood experience. I love that for you. But for me, it was shifting into the real more that I was made for. What does that look like? Yeah, I love that you mentioned it's okay if you love those things. Yeah. Because for some of these things that we're doing, we genuinely do delight in them. They are ways that we're exercising our God-given gifts and abilities and creativity and all that kind of stuff. But I always, you know, come back to there's other stuff that we're doing that we don't delight in that we're doing because we're trying to overcompensate mm-hmm. for something that is missing. Yeah. You know, for a lot of single moms, for example, it's like, okay, so our family doesn't look the way we wanted it to look. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z so that my child feels like they're not missing out. And there's some of that that is just innate to the experience, but there's some of it that is a, 
reaction to fear. Mm. And that's the space where if we're moving out of a reaction to fear, it's, it's going to control us, right? It's something we're trying to use to control the fear that ultimately is going to end up controlling us. 100%. Right? So it's something that, you know, I in putting together Made for More, you know, it's these stories in the Bible of women that are often never told or they're told incorrectly or they're um, underemphasized that show women who were dealing with the very same things that we do. Yeah. Women who were abused, women who were discarded, women who were single moms, but also where God was in the middle of that story. And one of my favorites in there is the last one. It's actually Eunice, who's the mother of Timothy. And if you've never heard of Eunice, don't be surprised. There's like three sentences about her in the Bible. But there's there's a lot we can tell about Eunice, even in those three sentences, especially recognizing she was a mother raising a son without a godly influence, like a godly man, a a godly father in this boy's life. And how easy it would be for Eunice to jump into a fear space of like, well, then I'm going to get him into like every VBS and every youth camp. And then he's going to have, you know, like all, you know, just all these perfect devotionals, you know, every morning we're going to do this. And it's like, if that is your driver, you're going to miss your child's heart, right? Mm. Like you're going to miss the connectivity. You're going to miss what you do have to give them. And what the Bible is very specific about when it talks about Eunice is the fact that she had a genuine faith or a sincere faith that everything she did was out of faith that she decided, well, I'm going to teach Timothy the scriptures then. Yeah. And this was not a perfect situation. Like Timothy, like, I mean, not to get like too far down the track, but Timothy was only half Jewish. And so he would not have been really accepted by his community. Yeah. To this kid who's trying to figure out where he even belongs. And you have this father who's not able to be a a godly role model. And this mother who was looking at this series of circumstances and could very easily be like, well, this is it. That's all there is. And she decides to use whatever she does have. She has this knowledge of the scriptures that she's like, I'm going to give that to my boy. Yeah. And to the point then where God takes what she does have to give and through her faith, magnifies that and multiplies it. So in a place where there's subtraction, he doesn't just add, he multiplies to where Timothy becomes this like protege of Paul. He gets two books of the Bible named after him. And he ends up then where it talks about him being accepted by this Jewish community, by Paul's influence in his life. So you just see where here's a woman who had so much stacked against her and her son. And by just in faith, not in fear, but in faith, offering what she did have. Yeah. How God moved in that situation. And it's like, this is not the exception, y'all. This is the rule. This is how God's kingdom works. And we can know that, sure, there's things we all lack, but there's things we do have. Yeah. And if we'll stay fixed on this is what I have, and I have a God who loves me and my kids and will multiply that on my behalf, everything shifts. And I think about it in terms of pursuit, like Eunice pursued connection and faith with her son, not I'm going to make him the best thing I can make him, or I'm going to make this the best thing I can make it. And I am a hundred percent guilty of that in my own motherhood. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting your kids to be kind and compassionate and accepting and all of those things. But listening to you talk just now, it, w- it felt like I kept kept hearing the word pursue. Like, what are you pursuing in your motherhood? And what are you pursuing it out of? Yeah. Are you pursuing 
acceptance and performance out of fear, or are you pursuing connection and faith out of belief that you and God are doing this together? Right. Is that is the more we were made for being present, intimate, intentional mothers Yeah, that don't do it all perfectly. That's right. And the deal is with the resting, like if we're in that rest space with the Lord and we're abiding there, then we're going to pick the better things. We're going to yes. pick the things that are, he's going to say like, this is laser targeted, like towards your child's heart, like how to connect with them. Right. But instead of overwhelming ourselves with this whole collection of like, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to do this. He's going to show us like, this is where I want you to fix your energies. This is where I want you to focus your time and your, your resources and, you know, just all that I'm putting into you. Then we see it's like a scalpel. Yeah. Instead of just like scissors, 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 like everywhere. He's like, no, I want to scalpel like yeah. so precisely into this space. And then though, even in that experience, how much trust that that builds, how much faith that that builds that. If we just dare to believe that this is even real, if we dare to believe that this is the way that God functions with us, like relates with us in our mothering, yeah, that if we can, if we can sit in that place of possibility and just enter to, into it, how much more fulfillment we can experience in our lives. Well, and because he cares. And I think that's been a theme that's been threaded through the entire conversation that God actually cares. Oh yeah. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I have to remind myself about that, about honestly, pretty much everything in my life mm -hmm. that God cares about my mental health. God cares about my marriage. God cares about my career and my children and their lives. Like he cares enough that he is right there in it with us. And to, for me, re that reminder always changes my trajectory because it's just the gentlest nudge that you're not, you're not doing it on your own. That's right. It's not like God is opting into the situation out of obligation. Absolutely. He cares. Like he's stepping into it on purpose. And that's the thing though, is that many of us have experienced something in our past that gave us the idea that God was distant or disinterested. Yeah. And so if you're carrying that, I don't want you to feel any shame about it because again, whether that was stuff in your family of origin or church hurt that you experienced or variety of different ways this comes to us. God is often like we we often have these experiences where in in our human relationships that end up getting transferred towards our relationship with God. Oh yeah. But that he's not afraid of that either. He's not offended by us. He understands us. Yeah. The Psalm 103 talks about the fact that God is tender towards us and not always have people around us been tender to us. And so there is some of this of learning to really experience God as he is that yeah. in this broken space, we're able to pull down all the walls that we have between him and us, or he's pulling down all the walls between yeah. him and us, right? Well, you said pursuit. He's absolutely pursuing us in these things. He wants us to like, just think about like curl up in the chair next to him, you uh, know, yeah, and, and cry out and know what it is to be loved and seen and held and adored. Yeah. And let that be the place where we begin from instead of the place of like, I'm afraid of you. I can't come close to you or you're, you're going to be mad at me or I got to, you know, like I, I haven't shown, I haven't like cleaned myself enough for you. Like a lot of us came out of, you know, these 
if you grew up in church, like you came out of this experience of like, I call it frilly socks Christianity, but like where you had to like have your white frilly socks on, you know, and go right. to church and like be yeah. all done up. And that that is the beauty that can come out of this overwhelm is recognizing you don't have to be all done up for God. Yeah, He loves you exactly as you are right where you are. And when you come like that, he won't leave you that way. Yeah, He is going to do so much in your heart and so much in your life. You will be unrecognizable even to yourself. Absolutely. The Bible study is a collection of stories that address these questions. Is there one in the book that just can give hope to some people? It's like, hey, God really does care. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you when you study the word and you start you know putting these stories together and really like getting to know these women and their context and all that kind of stuff. It's just like they they all become like your friends and you're like, I can't pick a favorite friend. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're all so, but they also reveal the heart of God in similar and different ways, just like even our own stories. Like we could sit down and just like go through our whole lives and just be like, oh, God did that for me too. And yeah, uh, but in different ways, you know, one of my favorite ones though is Ruth. And there is so much nuance in Ruth's story that doesn't often get told. It's a lot of times like this, like Boaz love story kind of thing. And that's true. That's in there, right? That's absolutely a piece of it. But what we see is a woman who is really like down and out. Like, oh, yeah, she is in a desperate spot, especially like when you understand culturally what's going on. Which we address in the book. So we we layer some things in here, though, that give you all this context, but kind of put it also in a modern day vibe yeah. so that you're not like completely like, what, what am I reading? This story, right? <laughs> Which is why sometimes reading the Bible is intimidating. So that's what we want to do is break some of these things down. Absolutely. But we see this woman who is down and out in a desperate spot. P.S. She's also like racially and ethnically and genderly. That's not a word, but like marginalized for all these different things. Right. Yeah. And is by all, you know, all eyes around her is this like forgettable woman. And yet we see God bring her repeatedly into the right place at the right time, giving her exactly what she needs, lining things up. And she doesn't find Boaz or she doesn't find this marriage or all this provision or whatever, because she's chasing after the guy. Yeah. Because she's chasing after the hustle. She's doing it because she's seeking after the Lord. She's doing it because she's going after whatever he has for her that's in front of her. She's just taking that next right step. And every time she does, God meets her. And every time she does, you know, turns to the next thing, God meets her, you know. And it's just in this variety of ways, though. Sometimes it's by the hand of another person or something that gets said. But it's just all of these different things that are going on around her that, like, by the end of this, you can't, like, none of the, like, we have to say we can't believe in circumstances and that's right. or, or, or in a coincidence is what I meant to say. And knowing that when we see those things happen in our own lives, that that's God's care for us. Like you said, you know, I was, as you said, God cares. I was thinking of those verses in scripture where Jesus says how God cares for the birds. Right. Like I'm watching the birds outside and they're just constantly every day they're looking for the bird, like the bugs and the worms. Like they don't know when they go peck in the ground, there's going to be something there, right? They're just constantly pecking all day long but yet they come up with what they need. Yeah. And that's exactly what I see in the Ruth story is that she's just, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go after this because I sense that God is in it. Yeah. And it's again, in this way that is laser focused and that God brings to her precisely what she needs. And so much so that yes, she does marry the guy and that's all very <laughs> wonderful for people who like romantic comedies like me, but 
there's also this legacy that gets birthed in her. So where she's a, a widow and kind of looks like this is the end of the road for me. Yeah. She ends up having this child and on and on and on. If you look at her, you know, place in the genealogies of scripture, especially in the beginning of the book of John, she's named as an ancestor in the line of Jesus. Yeah. Right. So here you have this desperate down and out marginalized woman who is now the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Yeah. Like what? Like yeah. but that is God, right? That is how much he cares. Yeah. And so anyway, if we have to, you know, really unpack one story, I think that just highlights this idea of more and abundance. I mean, it is just like dripping, like the Ruth story is just dripping with this, but it all stems from that one-to-one -one relationship between Ruth and the Lord. And I have to believe that she carried that into her motherhood. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we may Absolutely. not get that story, but we know that she's a mother because she's in the genealogy of Christ. And what we know about her life and how she lived it, there probably is a lot to learn from her Yeah, about like exactly what we're talking about, about being a mother. Yep. And the, we see that even, I think, in the parallel between her and Naomi. And, you know, this is stuff we go into more detail, though, too. But you just see where Naomi is stuck in her story. And that happens to us, right? We get Absolutely. in this stuck place where it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe there's going to be anything else beyond this. Yeah. And Ruth is this counterpoint of this woman who is just tenacious. And she's racing after all of this in such a but in a, a flourishing, wholehearted kind of a way. Yeah. And that eventually, though, it turns Naomi into this place where right. Naomi can start to see, hey, like, there's some possibility here. And that that is, though, where God brings these people into our lives, that if you're in that stuck spot, you know, having these people around you who can link arms with you and say, hey, come on, let's go, you know, like, let's not stay here. I'm here with you. I'm going to walk with you in this, that this tenacity that we see in her towards Naomi, we absolutely would assume, you know, that this is the way she lived out the rest of her relationships and especially her mothering. Absolutely. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. I could talk to you about being a mom forever. <laughs> Tell so people fun. where they can follow you online and everything. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram at plus one dot parents. You can find made for more and all the resources that we have at plus one parents.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for having me, Blake. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.